Hey everybody, good morning. Thanks so much for joining me. My name is Harriet Kamek and I am the host of Down to Earth. This is a daily podcast in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today being Sunday and Sunday morning, we obviously talk about faith. We are Christian. We believe in Christianity as a form of religion. We practice Christianity. And so we bring you matters that affect us, not just from a Christian perspective, but globally, socially, regionally, and right where you are. So the topic we're discovering this morning is why do we as a Christian country lock up so many of our citizens? Have we thought about the unintended consequences when parents are dragged away and sent to jail and are kept away from their children for extended periods of time? What are the ramifications? And why do we as a Christian country, we have of all the developed countries in the world, this country has more of its citizens locked up than any other nation on the face of the earth. And secondly, what do Christians do about parents, about the children who are locked up? And that's it. <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about today. But uppermost on my mind, there are a couple of things that's just going on right now. And uppermost is today is what? Super Bowl Sunday. So today is kind of like a super, super Sunday because it's Super Bowl Sunday. And I know many of you are busy prepping your chips and dip and all kinds of stuff and wings and all kinds of stuff. And we're all looking forward to some sort of relief from what we have experienced in the last seven days. Just last Sunday, as soon as we were finished with this broadcast, there came the news reports that Kobe Bryant had, had died in a helicopter crash he and eight others in California, and that kind of set the tone for Sunday and the remainder of the week. Then, of course, Iran was acting out, or Iraq was acting out, or Iran was acting out, and it looked like we were perched on the brink of World War III. And then the Europe, and then Brexit happened. Britain finally exited the European Union, and it looked like all of Europe was kind of like sad. <laughs> And the Brits were like, hey, right, mate? You don't care about the football here from the UK? Sad. Very, very sad. But I care about soccer, though, right? But then Britain left the European Union, and I was like, what's the big deal? They should never have been part of the European Union. That's my opinion. I always kind of thought Britain should have kept its sovereignty and kept its, its, it maintained a certain control over its borders and maintain a certain control over it. I just felt like Britain should never have been part of the European Union. I don't know about you. But then again, I might have an imperial mentality because I kind of think, I would want to think that America has influence, some sort of influence with Britain. <laughs> so I kind of wanted it to keep it that way. You too. I see that. You too. You agree with me. So that happened. And then the rest of us were just like quaking, quaking. Please, God, let nothing happen. Let's just enjoy Super Bowl. So even though my good friend here is from the UK, I still think that you're going to enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. And even if you can't, just go out and buy some chips. Well, potato chips, because chips in England are French fries, right? <laughs> so let me clarify what Americans refer to as chips, potato chips that come in a bag from Frito-Lays, right? So we're going to have a lot of that with some dip later on. And we're going to forget everything and just go hung dog on Super Bowl Sunday. We need some relief, right? We need a collective reason to gather around our TV sets and to look at it and not be sad today, right? Right? Mm, sad. 
and so on. So it's been an interesting week, shall we say. It's been a very interesting week. Well, one of the things that also happened locally here in Detroit is that an organization called Developing Despite Distance uh, had a fundraiser and their focus is on kids whose parents are locked up. And I imagine that this is not a problem that is unique to the United States. I imagine that this is true anywhere else you go in the world. But here in America, it poses a, a different set of dynamics. Because in America, I imagine, I don't know if it happens anywhere else, I haven't studied it. But in America, the people who tend to be locked up more, the percentage of the prison population or incarcerated persons, tend to be largely black and brown people or people of African descent or people of Caribbean descent or people whose ancestry are black and brown. They tend to form the largest percentage of the imprisoned population in America. Just recently, we did a podcast on debtors prisons in Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, right? And we found that people were dying in Mississippi state prisons just randomly without any without impunity. Nobody was being held responsible until recently the governor decided that he was going to close a part of one of the prisons where deaths occur highly. That's what we want. We want people to be held accountable that just because people might find themselves at the bottom of the social pie and at the bottom or the smallest portions of the American pie doesn't mean that they're less human. It doesn't mean that they don't have a voice. It doesn't mean that the rest of us should not be concerned. It means, therefore, that politicians who are public policy initiators need to understand that we can't just let large segments of our population just go dying because you don't care. If you don't care, you're sitting in the wrong seat of power. You should have some empathy and some level of compassion for people who can't make it like you. When I was growing up, they used to tell us that we are to push, push, push and be successful, right? You remember that? It was something you had to do. But my grandmother used to tell me that you've got to have ambition. You have to have drive. Ambition, she used to explain, was the drive to succeed. You have to want it. You have to be hungry for it. And you have to always have ambition. And if you have ambition, it will take you great places. And if you have ambition, it will drive you to succeed, right? Okay, so that was the litany that I grew up hearing. But what I have come to understand is that I lived in a society then where if I had ambition, I would reach the top. It didn't take very long because there were not the barriers, the social and economic barriers there that exist here. What I found here was that there are social and economic barriers that prevent people from moving forward, even people with great ambition. They usually end up in prison. When you talk to people who are in prison, you find that, and you ask them, how did you get here? You'd be surprised to know that people had ambition. They just didn't have the means by which to achieve that ambition. And especially when you look at people who are incarcerated, sometimes you have to take a different look at it as if to say, we got to break the cycle. Because chances are, if the grandparents went to jail, then the child is going, the son is going, our daughter will go to jail, then the, great, the grandchild is going to go to jail. Sometimes you find that there is a generational activity. When you look at it in that dichotomy and that mix, it tells you that there is a component there that is economic. There's a component there that is driven by poverty. 
there's a component here that is created by social and economic policies that are public policies that drive people to commit crime. Now, you and I are challenged or might find ourselves challenged in some ways. Doesn't mean that we necessarily look for crime as an outlet. We don't use crime to create opportunities. Not everybody is built that way. Yet for some, they're talking about just surviving. Uh, some years ago on my show, I interviewed a man who had written a book called The Making of a Trailblazer. And he grew up, up until he was 12, his parents were married. When they got divorced, his mother moved out to go live with a boyfriend. And his father, who looks like he had mental health issues, could not survive, could not take care of them. He found himself wandering the streets and sleeping on top of rooftops, right, in the cold. And finally, it got to him that if he went into a, a convenience store, he made something that looked like a gun just to get something to eat. All he wanted was some chips and a, and a soda. And then they came and locked him up. And he said, at least I won't be in the cold anymore. At least he will have three meals in a cot. Do you see what I'm saying? So poverty and economic policies drive people to do things. So the question I'm asking is, how do we say we are a Christian nation, but so many of our people are locked up? And when you examine it, not everybody in prison is a serial killer or a murderer, right? Not everybody, <laughs> not everybody is somebody who robbed someone or murdered or raped. Those are the, the reasons why people should be locked up. The people who are murderers and the people who are robbers and the people who are rapists. Those people, people who randomly commit violence, those people are to be locked up. And what we have seen here in some instances is that people who commit what, what are considered petty crimes, they rob a convenience store because they were hungry. They didn't re when the police showed up, they didn't really have a gun, but oh, it's robbery under the law. Well, it, su it sucks to be you, you're going to jail. You place them in prison with convicted violent killers, with people who are violent. We had a scenario here in Michigan some years ago where part of the public policy was to lock up children and place them in adult prisons with people who were violent killers. Of course, those people, those kids ended up being raped, right? The public outcry was such that they had to reform and change that policy. So again, I'm posing the question, why do we as Christians have so many people locked up? We seem to think that we can separate ourselves. So we are Christian when we choose to be, when we want to get votes, right? It's a campaign year over here in America, in case you all don't know, right? So they are showing up in churches, right? So they're campaigning to get votes. So you show up at church and you're holier than thou on a Sunday morning for an hour or two. And the rest of the week you live in hell or create hell for others. As a society and a community, I recognize that we have to maintain order. We have to maintain the peace for public safety. So there are some things that as a community, each of us who reside in the community are responsible for. We are responsible for containing ourselves so we don't become a threat to the safety of the public. Agreed? That is true. And when that threat is exercised, then the police must do what they need to do to control and create order so the rest of us can live in peace and not live in anticipation of things just always blowing up and carrying on, right? But at the same time, why 
we have to step back when that happens and the police then are reacting to what has happened then those of us on to us we have to look at it from a social justice perspective why are certain people more prone to being locked up and when we look at it and we wipe the mirrors off and the opaqueness of the mirror it's kind of like the mirror is shrouded when that is removed what we realize the underbelly of it is that we are at fault we don't have a christian heart we don't have a christian heart one towards another we don't think about the consequences we don't think about when you fire someone let's just take it at the macro level when you fire someone randomly for no other reason than you don't want to pay anybody any more money right and you fire them then those people have children and families they have to take care of so when you fire them the reason they're standing there looking at you and they're broken is because they're asking themselves what am i going to go home and tell my children and my family this evening my family are dependent upon me and our attitude is we're looking at them like sucks to be you that's not my problem get the hell out of my place while you go home put your feet up watch it on your 75 inch flat screen right and then dial 1-800 sex trafficker to go have sex with an underage minor that's how most people live we don't care about those of us in the society people want more and more and more i have never seen an age in which there are so many billionaires i'm beginning to think that the qualifier must be really really low because for the life of me i don't understand how a generation or two ago the Carnegies and the Vanderbilts were not called billionaires and really wealthy people the, the, the royal family in England have been sitting on the on the most of the world's wealth for nearly 2,000 years and they're not called billionaires but all of a sudden every Jack Tom Dick Harry and Sally is a billionaire have we set the bar so low it's almost as if as soon as somebody makes a million dollars they want to be included in the billionaire class are you all following me on this you see what I'm saying? People think backwards. Yeah, heck yeah, right? Do you see where I'm coming from? So it's almost as if this drive to my ego and I want to be featured on the cover of Forbes magazine and I want to be on my LinkedIn profile to say billionaire. I want my Tinder profile to say I am hot and a billionaire, <laughs> right? I want my, my, type, my, my intro on Twitter to be billionaire. So in the quest to make more and more money, more than you obviously can't spend it in your lifetime. You need a hundred children to spend it in a hundred lifetimes. You are doing it at the expense of someone else's. Make no mistake about it. We're a capitalist empire. Make no mistake about it. We are capitalistic in our thinking, right? In our thinking. We think that money, it's all about us. We're individual focused. To some extent, that's okay because... For you to achieve any kind of success, you have to be singular-minded. There's a certain level of focus that is required. But to the extent that we create damage to the greater society, we need to look at it from a different perspective. The last statistic I saw was that there were a million people in Michigan locked up in prisons. You know, the population of Michigan is like 9 million. Don't you think a million is a lot? We should have 100,000 people locked up, and those should be the violent criminals. The ones who like to tout a gun and just fire shots. The ones who like to take a, a gun out and just use people as targets. The ones who like to rape people. The ones who like to rape children and women, right? 
violent offenders. That's what prison ought to be for. Prison ought not to be for somebody who wrote a check because they wanted some money to go buy food and buy diapers for their kids. We're locking up people who go to a big box store and take some diapers because their kid needed some diaper change. We're locking up people who say who need some milk to make formula and need some pancake mix to go make breakfast for their kids. And yet we call ourselves Christians. And right now, in the next half an hour, many of them are going straight to service and pretend to be Christians and hold up holy hands. And as soon as they walk out of there, they're going to execute a wicked policy on unsuspecting people. The governor of the state of Mississippi goes to church. He's no atheist. The attorney general goes to church. The judges who lock up people in debtors' prisons in Mississippi are professed Christians. They go to service on a Sunday morning. And by Monday, they're locking up people who owe a debt. The people who own private corporations who hire debtors from Mississippi prisons are self-professed. They're Christians. They go to service. Yeah, I go to service. I worship. That's them all day. And they're the ones. We say we're a Christian nation. But what do you think happens to children when the parents are incarcerated and taken away? This organization, I haven't talked to them. I just saw it on the news and it kind of struck me that they're intersecting and providing a service where Christians have failed. The, the, The woman who heads up the organization says her parent went to jail and she remembers what it felt like. And there is a distance. And here's the thing. Prisons are never in the community, right? Prisons are usually way out. So for the child to go visit the parent in prison, they don't get help with homework. So the child, there has to be special provisions. Recently, I think it was in the state of Virginia, a child, an eight-year-old child went to visit its its parent in prison, its father. And and she was strip-searched by guards. An eight-year-old child was strip-searched naked. When I read it, I got all kinds of chills because to be honest with you, if it were my kid, everybody, including the governor of that state, would not have a freaking job. It's unbelievable how unchristian-like we are. The very thing that Jesus preached. It, it's In the last few months, I find myself questioning How do you call yourself a Christian and we don't follow none of the tenets of Christianity? You know what the tenets of Christianity are? Peace on earth. But we associate with warmongers and promote war all over the place, right? Peace on earth. Goodwill to all men. Really? Sincerely? Love one another as Christ so loved you. I love you. Jesus said, I love you, so love one another. Are we exemplifying the traits of Christianity? No. No, we're not. So stop calling ourselves Christians and resume being a Christian when you start acting like it. Just because you are the judge doesn't mean you get to be the judge of their souls when they come before you. Look at it. Put Empathize a little bit. Ask them. Talk to them. What are you up to? What are you going to do? Okay, I'm going to send you to county for two months. If you come back before me, you're going off for life. 
It's so bad that the other side of this is that there are judges who release violent offenders back into the community because they get so tired of locking up people. They make a mistake. We had a couple of incidents like that here in the Detroit area. I think one of those judges had to be removed because they were releasing violent offenders. It's one thing when the person gets locked up for retail fraud. Like seriously, people? A vast majority of the women, of women in prison were locked up for retail fraud. Poverty is what drove that. They want something, they can't buy it, but they want it. Then they go into a store and they take it. And you give them serious time for that? Sounds like they need some counseling. What happens to their children? Because sometimes these very same women have partners who are incarcerated. The fathers of their children are incarcerated. So what happens to the children? The children are left without both parents, so they don't get support. They don't have familial support, so they have no love or direction from mom and dad because mom and dad are absent. They don't get support with homework and they don't get oversight. Children need oversight. They need someone to draw the line and say, this is where the cookie, the road meets the, 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 the rubber meets the road. You can't go any further. And all the while, these are Christians. Oh, I'm a Christian. You know what I've noticed about some of these people? They have some of the worst kids in the world. You know, their kids are jacked up, smoking, drinking, and doing everything else. And you wonder why? Do you really? You're busy over here locking up other people. And their kids don't have parents. And you get to go home every night to your, to your kids who mistreat you, who talk bad to you, but who at the same time are having sex with everybody else, taking opioids, the antidepressants that you and your spouse take, drinking out all the liquor. And you wonder why. It's a vicious cycle. How? Let me read you some statistics. Right now, there are 2.7 million children in the country whose parents are locked up. Right? 2.7 million children in America whose parents are incarcerated and with a non-religious organization. This, the, this was not a religious organization. This was just somebody who said, I got to help because it happened to me. Do you know how painful it is to accept and admit that? that my parent was incarcerated and how much it affected me. You feel the full brunt of the society, the full brunt of the society on you. You feel as if the society hates you, hates the color of your skin, hates your origin, hates everything about you so much that they, did, they didn't think. These kids ask themselves, why? Okay, so dad did something. When you put, this is why I'm saying, you have to put it into context because you have to ask yourself, well, why do these parents continue to do it? I've, I've looked at drug dealers, for instance, right? And I find myself asking myself the question, why do they do that? If they know you're going to get caught, if you know you're going to uh, end up in jail, right? And, I, find, and I, I, I look at them and I'm like, well, what other choices do they have? What are their other choices? They grew up in communities that have been marginalized where schools were not invested in because education is not for everyone. That's what this society says. That's what their public policies say. So they take money out of school budgets. Christians who go to church on a Sunday, but who are the policymakers come Monday? They take money out of school budgets 
leaving schools without resources to educate children. So those children grow up without education. So how are they going to make it to college? You tell me. So the parents can't work because they too weren't educated. And with public policy the way it is, uh, uh, employers and owners of companies don't believe in you working 40 hours a week. Because if you work 40 hours a week, you're going to make more money. Right? So they don't believe in working 40 hours a week. So what do you think they do? They, you work barely, so you can't make enough. So to supplement it, they start becoming enterprising. Drugs is what is causing a lot of the violence that we're seeing in communities across the United States. It's drugs, the, the traffic of drugs, the business and organization of drugs. Because people tried the traditional way and the traditional way administered by people who call themselves Christians don't work. I'm saying Christians because that's what most Americans say. The people who are in public policy who are 50 and over, that's who they are. The newer generation might not be, but these group of people, they are. They grew up Christian, but they also grew up hearing their parents and grandparents talk about ways in which to disparage against people of color. So it's indeed in depth. It's embedded in their psyche to be racist and to practice racism and ostracism against people of color. Black and brown people, black and brown children pay the price for their incarcerated parents. You may not like it, what I am saying, but the facts, as I say all the time, res ipsa locator, the facts speak for themselves. And the facts are that there are 2.7 million children whose parents are incarcerated. All over the country, non-religious organizations have taken the initiative to meet that need and to bridge a gap that the society doesn't even meet. The society's social policies that could have been created by state governments and county governments. If they exist, they're not executed. Or they're administered by a group of white people who frankly don't care because it's not their cousin who was locked up on meth. When you think about that, you have to think about the words of Bob Marley. Until the philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior, until that philosophy goes away, all these problems will continue to perpetuate. They are pervasive throughout the society. So I want to ask, what are we going to do about it as Christians? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What can we do? Well, we find these organizations and support them financially. And if you have the time, let's say you are a retired teacher. Let's say that you are a retired police officer. Go volunteer. Talk to some of these kids. And especially if you have served in law enforcement, you can tell them what pitfalls to avoid and tell them from the benefit of your experience what you have seen. It makes a huge difference in their lives. And despite the adversity, show them that they, if they push, it's going to be painful. It's not going to be easy. They can overcome. My God, we lack hope so much that we cling to things that are not hopeful. Children lack 
peace. Children need, I don't think most of us, most of us have come from some sort of dysfunction in our childhood. And I don't know, there are very few people I have known or met or experienced who didn't have some sort of issue growing up somewhere along the line. So it is what it is. Childhood sometimes can be even tougher for some. And just when you think yours was really bad and you heard someone else's story and you say, my God. But I think one of the things we have lost in our quest to become richer and richer and richer and richer, we have lost empathy and compassion. It's one of the tenets of Christianity that Jesus explained. If you love one another, it's called compassion. It's you looking at someone else seeing their need more than you see their face when you look at them and you see their need it should ignite something in you to change but does it you know what we're thinking about your golf game being able to go play your next round of golf you're thinking about the deal you're gonna make and how much money you're gonna make and that's why there's so much dysfunction in our society. That's why divorce is so high. People do exactly what they want to do. The more money they have, they feel it gives them options. They don't have to be accountable to anybody. We're rotting from within. We're not made up of human beings. We're just flesh and bone and eyes and mouth. We don't think like humans. We have become so dehumanized, it's unbelievable. And because we ourselves are dehumanized, we dehumanize others. Because we don't see them as people. They're just something to satisfy an ego that you might have. Whether that ego is to have sexual gratification, whether that ego is to make more money, or whether that ego is, I'm better than you, I don't need you, send them off, cart them off to jail. We have become so dehumanized ourselves, we view others through the same lens. And then we tell ourselves we're better. That's why there's so much dysfunction. That's why people can't find the right mate. Because everybody is developing transactional situations. What you do for me. Not how can we build something together, but what you gonna do for me. Men see women as transaction, sexual gratification or for something else. Women see men as the same thing. We've become transactional. We don't view empathy and compassion. We don't know what that is. What is that? Compassion? You mean passion? Yeah, passion to jump into bed. Passion to make more money than you did yesterday. So people start seeing people as a means to an end. That's not being Christian. These very same people call on the name of God. I can't forget a few years ago, I sat in a, in a, in a funeral service. And there, some person had died, right? And some people were sitting behind me. And they were talking about the person who had died. And I know that those people, I know them. So I know that they don't, they're, you know, they don't serve, they're not Christian in their thinking. They're very condescending when they talk about people. But yet they were back there saying God because the people around them were looking at them to see if they worship God for real because they profess to be a Christian family, but their actions are not Christian. They are so dehumanized themselves that all they focus on is money. 
the God of money sits in our hearts, the God of success, the God of achievement. By any means necessary, and in the process, we destroy ourselves. Hence, we don't see value in others. How are you going to see value in others if you yourself only see yourself as expendable, only to make money? If that's all you see in yourself, you don't see yourself as a person who has feelings or, a per, or as a person who has a valuable contribution to make. If all that you see yourself as is just a money-making machine, then if you look at someone who is not a money-making machine, then what are you going to do? You're going to treat them as such. You wonder why their sex trafficking is a real thing today. Today, Super Bowl Sunday, is the biggest sex trafficking day in, my, in Miami. People were carted in, girls were carted in from all over the world, in containers if they had to, just to satisfy people's, you know, right? To satisfy people's passions and their ego and their sense of power. That's all it comes down to. I have the money so I can do whatever I want. I can have sex with whoever I want and I don't have to face the consequences of it. I call it without impunity. It's the same thing that tomorrow morning, one, is a, one of that person is a prosecutor, one is a judge, one is a public policy legislator is going to wake up and go about his business and take the same attitude. It comes from here. It's how we think. And so those of us who don't think like that, we're at a disadvantage because they tell you that you don't have any, you don't, you don't have any drive. What are you? You're a loser. You know how much money you make because there's no value made based on who you are and what you think. People sell themselves and we sell that idea to children. Do you know most of the drugs that get passed around on the school bus come from children? It's not the bus driver or the monitor on the bus, it's children. Because children see it as money making just as much as anybody else. This is some serious thing to think about because we have to ask ourselves really and truly what is your role here? Why are you here? And what are you doing about the time that you're here? I have a caller. Let me take this call. Uh, good morning. Good morning. This is Harriet Kamek. Welcome to Down to Earth. Hello? Hello? We can hear you. Hello? Hello? Call back if you can hear us, right? Uh, it, it, I sometimes wonder if we have lost our sense of right and wrong. I sometimes wonder if perhaps what the, what the common saying is right has become wrong, wrong has become right, right? So it's kind of like we've totally lost our sense of direction. I, I say this all the time. We need to come back to center. We need to come back to what is right and figure out where do I go from here. We've made some missteps. There's still time to redeem the time. Maybe, but we have to start that redemption now. Because right now in Miami, today, right now, it started from the beginning of the week. So much sex trafficking activity. So many kids have been kidnapped. So many young girls have been lured into 
what the image of success is an Instagram page with a lot of likes boobs and butt showing all over the place that's what the society has promoted as success so they're they get lured by that so they're gonna be the next model the next actress the next this the next that and they head out and be seduced by some guy who created an online profile or some girl who is a recruiter and off they go the first thing they give them is a shot of heroin to make them immediately addicted and once they're addicted they have control over them because all they need is the fix they don't eat so they're emaciated and I just asked myself the question how do men have sex with people who have questionable hygiene habits what's the big deal it's power it's power and control and having control over the sexual experience as much as they want to have control over the public policy experience it's just power and control and these are the same principles these are the same thought processes that guide people to make public policy that are injurious to others because we want power and we want to feel powerful and we want to feel as if I have power over you. This is why people walk around today and put billionaire in their status. They're a billionaire. A generation or two ago, you probably had like one or two billionaires the world over. Now everybody's a billionaire. Not because they're making more money. Not, that's not the only reason. It's because it's an ego trip. When I go out, I have my shoulders like this. I'm a billionaire. And when you really check it out, you're like your net worth is closer to 400 million. Where you inflate that to reach a billion dollars? But it's ego, it's power, and the perception that if I am powerful, then you will want to be with me. And if I am powerful, you will do stuff for me that will further enhance my image. And so people don't care about who they hurt. You wanna know? Look at Jeff Bezos, he was married to that nice lady right she kept the marriage together kept it together so he could make a lot of money but when his ego got to him he wanted his big thinks he's rich he's powerful he can do whatever he wants he went and had an affair and publicly then his wife found out about it publicly and she's like okay i want my money since i was there from before you started i want my money and she got her money and left him He's making more money, but the deal they made, she's still gonna make some of the money that he made because she still has shares. And this is Jeff Bezos all day. The same man who pays his workers less than the minimum wage, the same man whose workers can't even take a break. People are working with broken backs and broken bodies. This is him smiling for the cameras, billionaire. Now, I must say he never really professed to be a Christian, but he does live in a Christian nation. So he does have some religious exposure. And I dare say, if you were to ask him, he's going to say, I have some religious beliefs that align with the tenets of being good and doing good. I guarantee you he's going to say that. But does his policies and his actions display that? Probably not. But according to him and his ego he's a billionaire right 
So he has influence and access to public policy litigators and public policy lawmakers, doesn't he? So whose policies are they most likely to shape and influence? His or mine and yours? His. That's our problem. Our focus is on the wrong thing. Money became our God. Nothing wrong with having money. Money pays your bills. Money enables you to have a good lifestyle. You can take care of yourself, take care of your children, take care of your parents, and live well so you can live well and be free of stress. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But when money becomes the reason you don't sleep at night, <laughs> money becomes a god, and you use your money to hurt others. Listen, 2.7 million children whose parents are incarcerated. That's a lot of people. That's a lot. We need to pay attention to those children because broken children become broken adults. And if they're broken as children, they can't get the love and support they need from a parent, family member. They're most likely to do what? End up in the system. You see now why I say public policy guides that? Because what they're looking at is, oh, so your mama was up here. Okay, so they're going to be, if they, if they can't do anything, then everybody, that whole family is going to end up in jail. And we're going to have people who can make our products so we don't have to pay high wages. That's the end of it. That's the bottom line. Why, as a Christian nation, are so many of our people locked up to the detriment of the most vulnerable children? Something to think about, folks, on this Super Bowl Sunday, as we watch the excesses of corporate glory and corporate money there. But there are so many people down in Miami. The weather is good. It's an opportunity to get away from the cold. There are so many parties. There have been so many parties. And the partying is going to be nonstop until tomorrow. All week long. And at the same time, children have no parents. What happens? Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. You did say that if we take care of the least of these, then we have taken care of you. Help us to come back to center and to recognize that the God is in me is whom I should worship. And the God who is in me should dictate what my public policy initiatives should be. My prayer for you to this Sunday morning as we depart, that you think on these things. And wherever in your community there are organizations that support children whose parents are incarcerated, I ask you kindly to look at them and to help wherever you can. And if you're retired and you have a contribution to make, find a resource where you can go mentor children. Understand that they're going to run some tests on you and whatever. It's good to protect the children, but find a way in which you can help those children. My name is Harriet Kemmock. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Go Chiefs all day. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Thank you so much. Be blessed, everybody. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. This is Down to Earth.